Good afternoon, friends. My name is Halder and I'm an addict. Topic is don't believe everything you think. So, um, I'm feeling quite emotional, you know. Don't know why, but I've never really reacted to the readings in this way before. But um, maybe it's just because I'm feeling uh, I'm making myself vulnerable, and uh, I'm willing to to speak the truth. So that's kind of like not very familiar territory for me. Uh, am I doing it? Yeah, am I? Am I can't. Okay, okay. I'm just getting comfortable there. I believe I have to do like 30 to 35 minutes. <clears throat> and um, I, I didn't, I mean, because the topic is don't believe what you think, I, I didn't really want to think about what I didn't believe to, what I think. So. <clears throat> So we, we're about to find out how deep the rabbit hole really is, right? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay. What would, what it was like, you know? Um, I won't go too far back, you know. I'm uh, I'm South African. Um, I'm living in Canada. My home group is uh, it's on Thursday night. It's the what's it called? Uh, no, the one. It's it's. I've only gone to two meetings. You know, I move around a lot. I travel a lot. But Sharon Hope, Sharon Hope on Thursday night, eight o'clock. Uh, you'll find me stacking chairs. You know, that's what I do. Because I move around a lot and I've got a history of bad behavior. Um, first thing I do is I check where the meetings are. I make sure I get to a meeting and I look around for someone who I've, who's got something that I admire and I ask them to, um, if they, if they'll, if they'll sponsor me, you know. And I think that's, that's kind of like how I'm learning to be honest because, um, the thing with with my my brand of dishonesty, well, I don't know if it's mine. I can only talk for myself. It's like um, it's it's my blind spots. I I can't. I don't know. I I can't see them. You know, and uh, and uh, I, I I and and also also I, I um I don't like being told what to do. So. Um, so I kind of I've learned to make myself accountable to at least one person on the planet, you know, at least one to start off with. Uh, so I think I've covered there, like, but and and uh, then my sponsor, and then I do step work with my sponsor. So that's kind of like pretty much covers like the essential stuff, right? So now that I've covered the essential stuff, I can get into them like the bikers and hippies and all that stuff, right? Okay. Uh, what it was like, you know, I, I think I, I remember like around 92, I think. I think that's what, that was the year Nelson Mandela came out of jail. Um, 
That's also the year I first came into the fellowship. I should have a lot, I should have a, the number of clean years should be a lot more than I actually have. But, um, that's not what it's about, really, you know. Um, I think w- what it's about for me is, um, um, at some point, um, at, at some point, I am, um, I couldn't carry on, you know. And, and that, I mean, and I, I think, like, you know, it's such a long story, eh? Cause like, 92 is when I first came into recovery, you know. Like, um, I think I, I, when I, when I first started using in South Africa, I must have been like, I was a little boy stealing my father's cigarettes, you know. Or going into the, into the, into the, into the liquor cabinet. I wonder if that's being drug specific. Anyway, and um, and just kind of like <laughs> and kind of stealing a little bit from each bottle, like like being like being nine years old and like knowing that if I took a little bit from each bottle and put it in 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 one container, then then I could like I could like um I didn't even know what I was doing, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, already it was there, you know. Or like, if I smoked cigarettes with my cousins, they would like puff and blow, and like I would puff and hold it in. So that I could get dizzy, you know. <laughs> so maybe it's like a prodigy kind of thing? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I'll fast forward, eh? I'll fast forward, um, to kind of like to a, to a moment where I wonder how fast I should forward, like like the most I'm I'm a, I'm a parent I've got two daughters, um, and but those those are like anyone who's a parent those are like significant those are significant feelings you know those are like the, the other stuff is is kind of like you know I think when, when I can deal with the other stuff but. What what I've like uh, what I might have done to my kids through my addiction is a little bit more difficult to deal with. So I'm going to like start off with a point of my story where I'm like I'm in this little house. I'm in this cabin. It's in the forest, and it's like it's morning, and I wake up. And I'm like, it's quite nice. Like, it's, it's in, it's in Africa. Like, birds sing all year round. The leaves don't fall from the trees. And, uh, I wake up and I have this realization that, like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you, you know, like sometimes I wake up and I'm okay. And then like a couple of seconds later, I realize, oh, they not yeah like my two daughters and my wife are gone like forever and uh, so kind of like that emotion is like my rock bottom you know um, I think like before that like there was there, there was like um, um, sure 
Like um, using, you, if I rewind to like yeah. before '92, like like the '80s in in South Africa, and like where um, where 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 the people in charge are illegal. Okay, it kind of like makes it. It's almost a kind of a. Um, uh, obligation to use because the system is like not something that one considers fine. Anyway, there we go. Like I found my first one. Don't believe everything you think. Eh? You know, I thought I'd do it like that. You know, I just tell my story, and then when I remember the topic, I'll just like I'll probably there'll probably be some bullshit there I can relate to, right? <laughs> so that's that's probably the first the first thing is that like like from like my using was all about justification. You know, like I was like um, I always thought that I was being I was being spiritual. Okay, like that, like that. The, the substances that I was using were expanding my consciousness. That they were um, actually when I first started using, I thought everyone should use. You know, I thought this. <laughs> you know, like so that was like my mission. Yet everyone, everyone must get stoned, right? Um, and. Um, how did I find? How did I find recovery? Right? Okay. I'm like because I mean I could go on like with this. Um, like I don't know if you guys up here talk about junky pride. You know, it's very easy to get into junky pride. You know, like how how cool I was and how cool it was. And there's another one that is just like quite a lot of bullshit. You know, like being that that terminally cool person. Um, but at some point, I was also like, I kind of managed to like have a car and a job for a lot of the time, like, so like, because I come from a background where we got like a very strong work ethic. And it's like you're allowed, like my, my father and my uncles and all the, all the, all the role models in, all the role models in my life, which was like, you, you can get like really wasted as long as you go to work the next day. Then it's okay, you know, and you're being a man. You can get like, you're actually being. Anyway, that was another thing that. Uh... So, you know, a lot of this thinking is like, like old thinking, you know, like maybe like even, even like um, from my grandfather's thinking, you know, that I'm having to like sift through and see what. What what works for me? What doesn't work for me? So like I've told you about like the the, the emotional rock bottom. Um, um, but before that, okay, I'm going to rewind again. Okay, and let me just like place it politically, historically. Um, yeah, this is like when Nelson Mandela comes out of jail. All right, it's around that time. Um, so I'm working and uh, like I have a bender of a weekend and things aren't going well. I've done a couple of geographicals and some people have started dying and it's not so cool anymore and 
like I become a little bit psychotic and I can't leave the room. And I'm locked in this room for, I think it was like, it must have been three days. And like the boss's wife is knocking at the door looking for me. And I'm hiding because I'm too scared to open the door. I'm young, like I'm 25, right? Well, it's all relative really, but anyway, relative to me, I was young. Um, and uh, I'm stuck here. I'm stuck in my own head. I can't get out the room. I can't open the door. I'm like freaking out, right? And then uh, somehow I have this idea, and uh, I say I, I do this prayer, and it's like it's like it's the universal addict prayer. It's like God, please help me. Just please help me. Just please help me. And I remember going on my knees, and I think that was the first time I asked God, please help me. I mean, I've said to God, please let the merchants show up, you know, or like, like if, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. I've done a couple, and a lot of those, you know. But this, I think there was like a genuine thing, like the whole like entirely ready thing was happening there. And, um, and then I had this idea that maybe I should just like, be honest. And it was like, it was, I thought this is a good idea because it's like, it's like one way to get out of trouble, right? It's <laughs> just like come clean, right? And I went through to the office and, uh, there's a big Afrikaans man who was like a Oderling, a, um, a deacon in the church and wears khaki outfits and big man with a big beard and, and, uh, likes guns and shooting things. One of those guys. And I went to him and I said, Hans, I think I'm a drug addict. And uh, he, uh, he took out the phone book and he phoned a rehab. And they took me for, for inspection and for evaluation. And they got my, they, like, uh, the, the boss's wife came, she picked me up. They, like, processed me. They did an intervention on the, on the spot. And I did my first six weeks. I think I was 25. I went, I went for a six week thing and it was the first time in my life from when I was about 16 that I had been clean for six weeks. And I only did it because I thought, you know, like I thought, I saw the loop, you know, I thought, okay, I've just got to play the game, yeah, hang in there for a couple of weeks and then I can get through and carry on, you know, being like this terminally cool brass person that I need to be. Don't believe everything you think, right? And um, it wasn't a twelve-step program, and I and I, I came out, and my problem was drugs, and uh, we had some steak, and we had some wine to celebrate, and you know, it was like I mean, this is like the eighties in in Pretoria, okay? It's like there was no concept. I mean, I'd gone in for for one anyway. Needless to say, like in like a very short period of time, I was I was using again like quite heavily, and I went back to my counselor, a sweet lady, and she's and I said, listen, you can't book me in again. I'm going to lose my job. She said, well, try these people, like, and she gave me this telephone number, and I phoned these people, and they said, this is this come yet, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's like you know, I, I mean, I can remember. I want to remember, I remember the, the haze of it, you know. 
the haze of it. It's almost like I was put on a pair of roller skates and guided through this like thing, you know. <coughs> and uh, it must have been a Tuesday night, and I got on my motorcycle. And I'd come straight from work. I was dirty. Um, and I went to my first NA meeting. This was in the 80s in, in Johannesburg in South Africa. There was police. There was two policemen outside in the car seeing who was going in. Um, I was back then, you know. Um, I went in, and I don't even remember. The one thing I remember hearing was like that alcohol is a drug. It was like, it was, it was the first thing I heard in NA. And I thought, because the rest was still like in this haze, you know. It's like, I, I, you know, some people sometimes share that, oh, these people, I don't, I don't belong here. Like, are they lying? I didn't even have any of that concept. I was just there. And I remember that. And at the end of the meeting, somebody came to me, a guy called Dad. And he said to me, yeah, yes, he gave me his number. Eh? And he took my number. He says, give me your number. He took my number. And he phoned me the next day. And um, at that time, that was the only NA meeting in Johannesburg. Uh, we used to smoke in the meeting, right? <laughs> That's how long ago it was, right? <laughs> um, and people weren't getting clean, right? Our, all our literature was in one box. We had, we had to order it by mail from the States. You know, we had like, literature was really precious. And um, there was like a superstition that tea person would always relapse. But I mean, everyone was relapsing, not only the tea person. Um, but, but you know, willingness is a strange thing, right? Because um, there was there was like, like, uh, like I must be careful not to endorse anything here. But you know, the. At, at a lot of the meetings in the sister fellowship, the other 12-step program fellowship, NA Light, they, um, we, we weren't welcome. <laughs> but there was one meeting, a halfway house meeting, and they welcomed everyone. So there was like, there was uh, gamblers and sex addicts and overeaters and and these guys they and they, their meeting still go, still going on you know if you if you're in if you're in Johannesburg on a Monday night you go to the halfway house meeting and um, it's in halfway house so that's why it's called halfway house meeting um, <laughs> and you you look for Dougie Gordon you know and they do like one to twelve. And if he's doing the, if he's doing step one, he'll be telling the same story that he tells every twelve every twelve weeks. But you know what? The the love in the fellowship heals us. And here was people who were taking like kids who couldn't get clean and sponsoring them. You know, like just say, what are you doing this weekend? Come to the farm, help me chop down some trees. We'll make lunch for you. Or like, or, or whatever he did. I don't remember. But um, anyway, I cleaned up. Eh? I got a sponsor. I cleaned up. And um, I think I was clean for about 
three to five years. I say three to five years because I had like a slip. Like I, I, I drank a beer. Well, I didn't even finish it. And then I was clean for five years. And then I met. I was like kind of lonely. And I wasn't, I don't know. I, I met a woman and she was smoking a little bit of dope. And it was like, you know, you're so strong, Helda, why don't you have a bit? And then I said, oh, you don't know what's going to happen if I have a bit. And then I kind of believed that if I had a, just, just a joint, you know, I'd be okay. Oh, I was drug specific. Fuck. <laughs> and I swore. <laughs> and I swore, okay, all right, like I'll, I'll try, I'm be- I can tell that I'm beginning to relax. <clears throat> I'll try, I'll try not to say, uh, I'm not gonna say it. Alright, um, um, <laughs> anyway, like, I'm gonna fast forward again, right? I'm like from the cassette generation, so you can like, imagine it. And it's like, it's like another ten years, right? And like, I've got two kids, I'm living in the forest, I'm growing organic vegetables, we've got chickens, uh, I'm, I'm like we're doing the we we're doing just like the holistic thing, you know, like uh, like the bitter tea and the sweet herbs, no chemicals, no alcohol, like just we're really cool people, right? But this disease is progressive, you know, and no matter how much I bullshit myself, we go back to the topic and think that I'm cool. In the end, right? What started happening? It was it was the summer of love, so it must have been around '97, right? And this new substances like come out, right? And it's like, it's like, this is what we've been waiting for, Helda. No side effects. It will change your life. This is it's anyway. Massive parties and like I just thought, okay, you know, if this new substance is out, I need to try it and. Anyway, to cut, to, to like fast forward a bit. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get vulnerable, right? So what I was doing is, right, we, we were living in this place by, by the coast. There was like sort of a holiday town. And then we had a, um, a gallery, right? And like, it was all cool and it was a functional art gallery and people would exhibit their stuff in the gallery. And then, but there wasn't a lot of money. And so I'd go up country where like the city is to make money so that I could come back and then we could like carry on being cool and having a gallery. But so like, what, what was happening is that like, while I was going up country, because I'd already started using, I was like getting deeper and deeper into trouble, right? So I was, um, I was lying to my wife, and uh, I was getting into the substances that weren't that cool, and I was doing stuff that I'm like very ashamed of. Okay. Um, yeah, I was I was um, I was getting my party pack on set on Friday night. I was phoning my wife. I was saying, "Darling, I'm going to bed. Love you. 
Bye. And then I was taking drugs and I was sleeping around until like Sunday morning. And then like I was pretending it didn't happen. Okay. I was pretending it didn't happen. And uh, I was, now, this is where it gets a little bit weird. I was like keeping a journal about all this stuff because somehow I still like, somehow I still thought that I was like this, um, this like Jack Kerouac kind of dude, right? <laughs> and then what I was actually doing, I was like experimenting and I was like finding material for my, uh, uh, for my great novel, or I don't know what it was, you know, but I had somehow bullshitted myself into thinking that if I could just make notes, then it's okay, right? Then it's scientific. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Like things back, back. Meanwhile, back at the farm, right? <laughs> things were like things were not well, you know. Like my ex, my ex is also in recovery. Bless her, you know. Bless her. She should actually. I should have, you know. Just in case this is getting recorded and she ever hears this, okay. You know, for a long time, like I was saying that. That I was doing this shit because of her. Because like, you know, now that I've been in recovery for a little while, and that I've done all this, like, that I've done some step work, I don't even remember what it was that I was thinking. I don't even want to like, I can't even access it. What it was that I believed that she was doing to me that allowed me to be so... Um, selfishly dirty, you know. I think that's like kind of as, as bad as I want to go, you know. Um, and and it took me like once I'm forward, fast forwarding now. I've done step work and everything. It took me like it took me about four years of recovery of doing step work before I was willing to admit that. Uh, where I, had, I had to do a step. I had to do a step seven. Is it the seven where you, the one where you go and apologize to people? No, that it's it's nine, nine. After we make the list, right? And this guy had been very kind and worked with me, and he said, "Okay, you know, you got to go to your ex-wife, and you got to go apologize." You know, and I went to her, and I had the list, and I said to her, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did all that stuff." You know, and she just looked at me. She looked me in the eye, and she said, "You don't have to apologize to me." You have to apologize to your kids, like. She didn't accept it. She says, fuck off, like. That's how bad it was, you know. And it just, and it maybe took me another year or so to kind of like realize, and as, as I, as I, as I mature in my recovery, I'm beginning to understand more and more that what I did is actually unforgivable. And that for me to come with this like, uh, I don't know where I learned this stuff. It was probably at Sunday school that we forgive each other, that I have this expectation that people will just forgive me. It's like what we do, right? Well, you know what? She doesn't have to, you know. She doesn't have to. It's okay. It's okay. Um...
And we've, our kids are well, you know, and she's in recovery. And uh, anyway, I got sidetracked there. I think, uh, let me see, where, where was I? There's a twist to the story that's quite interesting. All right, okay. So I'm clean, all right, and I meet this woman. This is the woman I marry, okay. So, like, I have the joint, okay. It's like 10 years. We've got married. We're living in the forest. We've got two kids. We've got chickens, right? Marriage falls apart. It's like ugly, right? It's like ugly. It, anyone who's ever been through this shit knows how ugly it can get. Like, I can't recognize that person. I can't recognize that person that was went through that stuff. Like, all right. Anyway, she goes to Cape Town. I actually, okay, I'll make myself vulnerable. We have such a terrible, terrible fight that I, I evict my wife and my children from my home, from our home. Okay, so that. And then I carry on using. At no point do I think that maybe I'm doing this because I'm an addict and I want to use. I'm thinking I'm doing this to protect myself from her, you know. I'm doing this because she's such an evil person and I need to protect myself from her. Anyway, she leaves and... uh, Okay, I, I should speak to my lawyer before I talk about this next bit. <laughs> I get hold of a lot of drugs, right? And uh, I become the most popular person in the district. And but somehow I know, you see, it's not like it's not like the first twenty-five years of the story where I'm like a kind of innocent, where I'm just like partying and experiencing, and where I actually do believe like the the. Curiac story, you know, where I do believe that I am uh, exploring. Um, you see, now, now at this point, I kind of know that um, that what I'm doing has to stop and is not right, but I'm doing it anyway. And I kind of give myself a time limit, you know, like I'm just going to do this until I can, until they catch me or I can get away. And I. Uh, I get a, I mean, like, I'm, I'll tell you how old I am when this is happening. I'm like, we've had elections, right? I'm like, I'm 49. No, I'm 40. I'm 39. I'm 39. I'm 40, right? Um, And I'm like hanging out with these teenagers, you know? And like, I'm giving out all these love drugs and I've got a big bin of like magic potion and herbs and stuff, right? And I think I'm so cool, right? Um, but it, it eventually, eventually, like, I'm, like, watching, a, I'm watching a, uh, I'm watching a beer advert on a Tuesday evening and I burst into tears. So I know something's wrong, you know, like I'm crying a lot and so I go back up country and, uh, I still kind of like party for a little bit more. Like I'm like that 40 year old at the rave party who doesn't realize he's 40. Mm, that guy, right? <laughs> and uh, and everyone else can see it, you know. <laughs> okay, all right. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you what happens. I can't see it, all right? I can't see it. One day, like, I'm in front of the mirror. It's morning time, and my tooth breaks. My front tooth breaks off, right? (laughs) And, like, I'm so (laughs) self-obsessed and vain that that was, like, the one thing that made me go back to recovery, right? (laughs) It was just too much, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I phoned Dan, right? Now, if, you, if you're paying attention, Dan's the guy who took my number like 15 years ago. Okay? I phoned Dan. Dan's Stayed clean, right? He's done a degree in psychiatry and he's in the industry now. He's making money out of getting people like us clean, all right? <laughs> and he's good at it. He's got like first rehab, second rehab, referral agency. He's doing it, right? I phone him. I say, Dan, I think I need help. He says, what's happening? I said, he says, he says to me, where are you? I said, I'm here. I said, can you get you? I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll see you at lunchtime. Come now. You know, he sat with me, he listened to me, he says, I think you just need to talk about this stuff, Elder. And he said, look, it's, it was around the end of the year, he says, it's, we're not so busy now, you can come into the rehab, you can pay me when, you, when you've got the money. And uh, it took me about a year to try and stay, to try and get clean. It took me about a year because I kept uh, doing six, three uh, 90 days, and then I thought I could have a drink, because like usually around like I'd meet someone from the past, and I'd want to get laid, and I didn't know how to like actually have a relationship with a woman without getting her drunk first. And uh, <laughs> truth, you know, that kind of happened later that I learned in recovery. Um, and eventually, somebody. Then I thought maybe I should get a sponsor. Right? And uh, I met this guy at the meeting. I went to one meeting. This guy, Cameron. And he fast-forwarded me to a four and five because he knew I'd be moving because I'm always moving. And uh, he probably saved my life, you know. Because it felt like I was drowning. It felt like, I don't know, you know, I've lived near the sea quite often. And sometimes if you're swimming and you can get into these, like, uh, these riptides, and they pull you out, and you were trying to swim back, and you can't get back, you know. And it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling because no matter how hard you try, you just know that the more harder you try, the you're just sinking. And uh, the answer really is to relax, you know, and to like come round the other way. Um, yeah, and uh, you know. And since then, I mean, that was like, since then I've, uh, I've moved a couple of times, but I make sure that I get a meeting. I make sure I've got a home group. I make sure I've got a sponsor that I'm accountable to. I do some step work, uh, depending on my sponsor. Sometimes it's more intense, sometimes it's less intense. Um, what else do I do? That's what it's like now, eh? Be, I've 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 met someone, okay. I don't cheat on her. I don't lie to her, okay. And um, you know, like 
if, if that, when, when that tooth of mine broke, like I was in this little room and I had no radio and I had no hot water, which is okay in Africa, but it's still like, you know what I mean? Uh, and if, if I, I it was that what, that I'd be talking at a convention in Ottawa is like beyond my wildest dreams, you know. So like, even like the stuff I can think up is not nearly as amazing as what happens in my life when I apply myself to the spiritual program. And when I was sitting there and I was getting quite emotional, I, I, I felt, I felt myself crying. And I was, all I was doing was listening to the preambles, you know. That's all I was listening. I was just listening to the preambles. And, uh, I think I've, um, I could probably like fast forward and, I mean like in each point there's like infinite detail. So, but, uh, <laughs> we have only, we've only got 35 minutes. And, uh, my name is Haldor and I'm an addict. Thank you. On behalf of ORCNA 28, I would like to thank Elder for sharing his experience, strength, and hope with us. Thank you very much. Uh, now can we make a circle and close up? <laughs>